You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Okay, we're live, but we got to let it breathe just a moment here while we bring on Facebook. And then we will officially kick today's live stream podcast off with a plum. And we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me is my fellow football priest and the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, sure as, uh, you know, the sun sets in the west, rises in the east, Drew Locke has a big flash day. We're off. Tuesday, day one of mandatory minicamp. Drew Locke, by all accounts that I talked to, won the day. Some accounts even describe Drew's performance on Tuesday as dominant, according to DMAC, a.k.a. Darren McKee of The Fan. What was your reaction to Drew Locke going out having a really good day on Tuesday and then coming in Wednesday and not so much having like a bad day, but an inconsistent day, which has kind of been his, you know, that's just kind of his thing. Ups, then inconsistent, ups, then inconsistent. Well, I'm going to be consistent, and I'm going to be fair in, in what I said last week when he had a rough day when he threw a couple picks. It doesn't really matter right now. It's it's still June. It's mini camp. This has no bearing on the training camp, on preseason, nor the regular season for that matter. So I'm, I'm being objective in that. If he has a bad day right now, it doesn't matter much. If he has an overly good day right now, it doesn't matter much. It was a step in the right direction, and based on the reporting, the, a ball never even hit the ground yesterday. I mean, he was just dialed in locked in, if you will. They were finding Noah Fant in the end zone. They had a touchdown connection. I mean, he was hooking up all over the field with every weapon that he had. That's the Drew Lock that we like to see. But is it a surprise that the Drew Lock facing the NFL's best defense, let's say, with the NFL's best secondary, he threw a pick today to Justin Simmons, the NFL's best safety. These things are going to happen. It, it's the par for the course. Uh, a tweet was made aware to both of us today, Chad, about Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. He had five interceptions in a practice yesterday. Five. And that's a franchise quarterback first-round pick. You don't see Dolphin fans freaking out. You don't see Dolphin fans looking to cut him or trade him. It's par for the course for any quarterback, but especially a young quarterback. I'm not overreacting one way or the other. I'm going to be fair right down the middle. That's what it is right now. It's minicamp for a reason. It's funny you say that because yesterday when I wrote up the news article of all the reactions uh, from Drew's big day, I wrote this, quote, a disclaimer all fans should heed. Just like last week, it was ill-advised to jump to a conclusion on Locke struggling in a minicamp practice. It would be equally unwise to cling to Tuesday's results as proof of some absolute uh, outcome. So is it encouraging? Yes. Do you hang your hat on it? You can't. And honestly, Zach, I'll tell you, like, from what we know about Drew Locke, I don't think you're going to see much different between now and the season in terms of, like, you're not going to all of a sudden see him performing at the Monday – or, excuse me, Tuesday level of Drew, yesterday's level, Drew, every single day. That's just not who he is. He's going to win some. He's going to lose some. He's going to make a big play, make a big play, and then he's going to throw a pick. I mean, those are the – make a mistake or something. And those are the things – I mean, that's just who he is as a quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater, meanwhile, you know, he's steady as she goes, and he takes what the defense gives. Check down, check down, check down, check down, check down, check down. 
incomplete sack, and then maybe a decent play down the middle, check down, check down. That's just the way it is. So I think the Broncos know this. They know basically what they have in both these guys. And so it's going to be interesting to see ultimately what core philosophy this coaching staff ultimately embraces when it comes time to name the starter. Are you going to rise? Are, are you going to roll with a guy that actually gives you a chance to reach some sort of a offensive ceiling, like a, you know, a serious ceiling, or are you going to go with the guy who's going to play it safe and, you know, more often than not, at least put you in a position to get a field goal at worst. It's a phil- philosophical conundrum because I, I don't look, it's a tough situation to be in for those coaches, but it really comes down to prioritizing. How much do you trust the defense? Are you, a, are you risk averse? You know, are you a glass half full glass, half empty, etc. Well, we finally got some concrete, um, Evidence as to why Locke could turn it around this coming season. A lot of his critics pointed to uh, theories and hypotheticals and, you know, uh, intangibles as reasons why he can make the jump in year three now. But he mentioned that he's finding way more chemistry and continuity with Pat Shermer. Having a year with the same coordinator two years in a row actually works wonders. And he admitted that he squared up his stance more. Maybe Peyton Manning taught him that. We don't know. But he's actively trying to get better. And he's cluing us in as to what he's doing to make Make himself a better quarterback. That being said, though, I mean, I'm going to be fair in my analysis as well. Teddy Bridgewater looked good today. Teddy Bridgewater has had an amazing connection so far with Jerry Judy. And if he happens to start, I will support him. And I, I'm happy that connection is budding. Anything positive for the Broncos is a good development for the Broncos. I mean, this is a very simple uh, logic to follow here. No matter who's quarterbacking the team, we want them to do well. So if they, if they both have good days, that's encouraging. If they both have bad days, you know, you can you can judge it, you can criticize it, but we have to keep it in perspective and you have to keep it logical. It's still mid-June and they're working the kinks out right now. So hopefully, Chad, those like interceptions you mentioned, the pick six he threw to Simmons today, that doesn't come in the fall. Get it out in the summer and get better from it. I want to give credit to my guy, Tyler Columbus of The Fan, who he said, look, Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy gives you that steady floor. Drew kind of gives you that ceiling that you can, um, you know, really strive toward as an offense, right? Um, but as it relates to the margin of victory, like today, Teddy won. But everyone I talked to and a lot of the stuff I read, Zach, it was a kind of negligible victory. He was the victor, but it was like, eh, you know, I guess it's Teddy. Meanwhile, if Drew's going to win this depending on what the Broncos as an organization, like I talked about just a minute ago, if their mindset is, you know, we're going to swing for the fences, then it's going to be Drew. They'll pick Drew. But depending on that as the caveat, Drew Locke, if he really wants to lay claim and actually dominate this and win the competition, it can't just be like today, the margin of victory for Teddy, where it was like, yeah, you know, all right, we'll give it to Teddy on this one. Drew actually has to dominate and just lay waste to Teddy Bridgewater. <clears throat> and I'm not sure. I mean, I do expect him to take big jumps as I've heard you, as you guys have heard me say on this podcast many times, like when it all comes out on the wash, I think you're going to see drew really turn some corners and improve this year. But in training camp where things are, are structured to suit, I mean, think back to Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch, those training camp sessions are structured to play to the strengths of the guy who does have maybe uh, more experience between the years who is more inclined to take what the defense gives as opposed to the kind of more <clears throat> loose playmaking gunslinger type. So Drew has to 
my, what I'm rambling at here, Zach, if Drew really wants to win this competition, fair and square, it can't just be a negligible, all right, then we're going to go ahead and go with the kid. Like, he has to win it by a leap and a bound. It's funny that you mentioned uh, Simeon and Paxton Lynch because I, I don't want to contribute to what I'm criticizing. And I can speak for myself. I'm sure I speak for you as well. In 2016-2017, the Team Paxson versus Team Trevor, the split, the division and the fan base where you had to pick a side, and we were actively grading you know, these practices. I mean, you talked about winners in, in minicamp right now. Does that amount to much? Can anyone point me to a quarterback competition where it was determined, you know, looking back on it with minicamp practices? I, it, it doesn't matter much in the grand scheme of things. That's why if Locke throws three touchdowns, great. If he throws th- three picks, great. It doesn't matter right now. But I'm happy that both quarterbacks at times, because one of them will start, either Bridgewater or Locke, obviously, both have popped. Both are forming chemistry uh, with the receivers. Both are getting the playbook down. And both look the part so far of a quarterback that at the very minimum, at the very minimum, they can skim water and keep the team afloat, not hurt them, and help their chances of hopefully capturing a playoff berth this coming season. Guys, we have a lot to get to. I mean, a lot has happened between Monday's show and today. A lot has been said as far as the pressers. We got Pat Shermer's remarks to digest and dissect. Uh, we are saddened to report that we had planned on having the great Zeus McPeak on tonight, but at the last second, duty called, and he got uh, he had to hop on an airplane for his job, and so we'll circle back and reschedule Stu for another time. So we're just going to muscle through and get through each and every Super Chat. We'll try and get to as many of your comments, topics, questions as possible. Um, but first, a couple of really quick matters of business. Just make sure you're connected with us on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. The main account at Mile High Huddle, my partner in crime here, Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen, and our great producer, Buana Beast on Twitter at John K MHH. Kindly consider becoming a supporter of Mile High Huddle on Facebook. If you go to our big Facebook page, you'll see the blue button at the top. Become a supporter. It's five bucks a month. Click that. You're in like Flynn. You get access to Kelberman's Corner every Sunday at noon. Uh, Mountain Time, you get access to the Trickle Zone every Saturday at noon Mountain Time. Plus, we're rolling out additional shows here in the near future. Big blue button. And also, guys, check out the merch store. Zach, it's been really cool to see how many, excuse me, how many of our great community members and and listeners and viewers have patronized the store and our new Football Priest t-shirt. It warms our heart. We really appreciate each and every one of you. But we often get the question, how do I buy merch? Very soon, guys, it's going to be right under the box on YouTube. You won't even have to navigate off screen. By this time next week, in fact, it'll be that simple for you. But for now, and even then, you can still always go to huddleuppod.com to get your swag on, get a hat, get a t-shirt, get a face mask, get a whatever, right? But soon it's going to be even more convenient for you to pull the trigger. It's just another way to support what we're doing here. And don't forget also, while we're talking about social media, follow the Huddle Up Podcast on Facebook. Navigate facebook.com slash milehighhuddlepod or just open up the app on your phone. Let's face it, if you're a Facebook person, you got the app on your phone. Just open the app, search Huddle Up Podcast, give us a like and a follow, and that automatically enters you into our weekly randomly selected giveaway. little piece of MHH swag. Might be a little piece of Bronco swag. Might be some memorabilia like I have hanging on my walls here. Make sure you take care of that. And if you're not in a position, gang, to do those things, it's all good. We're seriously just stoked to have you with us, whether you're live or listening after the fact as an on-demand podcast. And thank goodness. We finally got the problem with Apple Pods figured out. That's all back to normal. But guys, just make sure that you do these three things. All right, subscribe, like the video if you're on YouTube or Facebook. That is so crucial. 
I mean, that's almost more crucial than any of these other things. Like the video, very helpful to us. And then the litmus test number three, if you think we're doing a good job or you at least respect the effort, share this episode out on your social media and help us continue to grow and reach those Broncos fans like-minded just like you that are wandering the desert, ignorant of the fact that this Mile High Huddle community is out here waiting to embrace them. All right, real quick, Zach, we're going to get to Shermer, but I want to catch up on a few uh, supers. Max Power, thank you for that super chat, my friend, from across the pond. Uh, Tom El Greco, what's going on, my friend, up in Canada? Good to see you. He says, guess no one cares when Locke balls out yesterday. 13, uh, 13, 16, three touchdowns. 13 for 16, three touchdowns. But soon as he messes up, people like, not mentioning names, jump all over it, Locke derangement syndrome. <laughs> Let him hate things. Yeah, I mean, that's just the way it is, guys. I mean, it's unfortunate, but this thing has – this this whole – locked arrangement syndrome phenomenon has taken on a life of its own and people are really dug in and they can't call a spade a spade. Even when it stares them right in the face, in fact, bonks them right over the forehead. They still, they, they can't just say, look, you had a good day. Good job for Drew. Oh, look, Teddy had a good day. Good job for Teddy. What we learned today, Zach, uh, that was echoed by Pat Shermer is the Broncos are in no hurry to decide who it's going to be. They're going to let this thing play out in its fullness. And it's not going to be until, end of the preseason that we're going to get a real answer. Exactly. And that's why right now, I mean, uh, killing yourself and wringing your hands and, and clutching your pearls, per, you know, proverbally is pointless over OTAs and minicamp. And even the coach is telling you we're taking this competition deep into preseason. And even then going into, let's say, the final third preseason game, we might not have an answer as to the week one quarterback. Knowing Fangio, he might keep the, the Giants guessing for week one, take it down to the wire. But that's the thing with uh, with LDS, and that's the thing with the Broncos fan base right now. They they despise Drew Locke to such an extent that they will downplay everything good he does. And that's why yesterday I didn't go off on Twitter when he had a good day at practice, when he threw three touchdowns. I didn't, you know, pat myself on the back. I had one word, a one-word tweet, a one-word response to Locke's practice. You know what that word was? Crickets. Because that's all we heard. We heard nothing you know, over the top about Drew Locke yesterday. And nor should we, again, have to be fair. It is one practice. It's minicamp right now. But I guarantee you, if those were three interceptions and not three touchdowns, it would have been headline trending news all over Broncos Twitter. That's the way it works. Ed Keating, what's up, dude? Superstar, rocking the Let Him Hate t-shirt in his profile pic. Also been helping us out now in the Facebook super fan group as a moderator. Appreciate you taking care of business, Edward. We're going to be talking about that. You and I, I'll reach out and give you some pointers and some things that uh, want you to prioritize. If you are going to help out as a moderator, things to watch out for things to, you know, et cetera. We'll, I'll talk to you about that, but appreciate you doing that. He says, and thank you for the super chat. He says, I'm so happy Locke is improving. Locke will play great this year. Locke derangement syndrome was in full effect yesterday. Hashtag Locke 2021. Let him hate Denver Broncos for life state of being you know it's funny it's look if a player is not improving will a coach say that a player has improved maybe sometimes coach speak will you know they'll they'll utilize some subterfuge and some um you know they'll dissemble but in the case of pat Shermer, i gotta tell you today when he took to the podium which lest i'm mistaken zach was the first time we really got to hear from pat uh since the season ended he talked about not only that the fact that Drew has improved, Zach, and I want to read this quote and then serve this over to you, but that he explained how he has improved in, in quite a few ways. Let me just get to this quote real quick. 
Uh, this is Shermer. Drew, obviously, interesting that he used that word, but quote, Drew obviously has made great progress from a year ago. Last year, he kind of went into the season raw without having really an offseason, and he worked his way through it. He did a lot of good things last year, and I think he kind of built on the good things he did a year ago, close quote. Now, Zach, there's another um, quote real quick. He says, I've seen improvement in Drew, the decision-making, his timing, his accuracy, close quote. So if you're wondering what kind of strides the coaches feel like Drew has made early on, Zach, there's your answer. Yeah, the thing about Pat Shermer, though, it's harder to decipher because he's not the most eloquent speaker, at least publicly. I mean, his he uses very basic grammar, very basic syntax, so it's hard to really decipher what's just you know jarble in coach speak and what's actually merit. But he did use the word obviously. He and, and he echoed everything else that we've been hearing about Drew Locke the entire offseason, from Thick uh, Fangio to his teammates to his receivers to everyone around Drew Locke to Locke himself that he's putting in the effort, he's putting in the work, and whether that shows up whether that pays off we do not know but at this point up until june 16th from the end of last season now it's indisputable to say what he's done to get better it's it's the breadcrumbs it's led us to this point tyler says are they sponsored by sports illustrated no we are sports illustrated mile high huddle is the number one team website on the sports illustrated network number one we've been on the network zach what august of 2019 so we're coming up on um we're about to enter our third year with SI two of those months in all those months, we haven't been number one, only two months. And in both of those instances, it was the, the one that we ended up as number two. And the one that ended up number one was fortunate enough to be quote unquote America's team and benefited from the first coaching search that team had had in a decade. Uh, so yeah, we're sports illustrated. Uh, we're the team site side of Sports Illustrated. you got the national, like the magazine and the MMQB and all the great work, the national um, editors and perspective handle. Then you got the team site network, the team site perspective, where we get right onto the local level and we're breaking it down for on one team focus. That's what we do. Um, Zach. That's all right, baby. Here's uh, Tom again. Appreciate you, Tom. Mike Kliss, who's been around football forever, how come he doesn't see the upside in Locke and keeps heckling him, guys? Um, I wouldn't per se – you know, I don't sit and read every single tweet Mike shoots out. Um, we hear from him time to time when uh, he doesn't like a, a headline of ours or the way we couch a particular quote or something like that. He's And we've met him. He's a great guy. He's very kind, very nice. Um, no problems, no beefs with Mike. I think if anything, what you're interpreting there, Tom, is that he is a Drew Locke skeptic. I've never sensed in him derangement. I just think that last year there were some people that were like, hey, man, you know, that stretch, Zach, from the second half of the fourth quarter in in Foxborough through the Atlanta and Raiders game. So all the way up until about week 11, that stretch. So the end of week six up until week 11. There were a lot of people, fans and media alike, that were justifiably alarmed by his signs of regression. Now, he stabilized, but it wasn't such a stabilizing, um, you know, he stabilized, but he didn't like all of a sudden, you know, bounce into like all pro form. He was just significantly better, just not like anything you're really writing home about outside of the Carolina game. And so for, I think, guys like Mike Kliss and many fans who are not among the locked range, they're just skeptical that 
Drew Locke's going to fool them or something. You know, they, they want to see it come out on the watch. They want to see a little consistency before they get on any kind of bandwagon of any sorts. It's very obvious, though, if you read between the lines, and I'm not going to mention any names as to who's a lock critic, but I think Benjamin Albright is one of the pro and you know pro lock people out there. So it's kind of like it, depending on your political views, where you get your news from. You, you know, you learn to go to the source that you trust the most, depending and aligning with your viewpoint. So if you're a pro lock guy, I wouldn't read some reporters out there that kind of have it in for him. I, I wouldn't say Cliss has it in for Locke, but yeah, he falls in that pessimistic, pessimistic skeptic category. And I feel like Cliss personally feels like he can get away with being that, like that because he is the mouthpiece of the team, because he is the Broncos insider for so long. So he can take a position where it comes off as, I, I don't know, a little adversarial to the quarterback, but everyone has their own personal beliefs, Chad, including you and I. That's a great way to put it. Adversarial at times, you know, and uh, players and coaches, that kind of wears on them a little bit. Even today, Pat Shermer, after fielding, I think it was five or six consecutive questions on the quarterback competition, finally got served one that was not a quarterback question to close the, the presser. It was just the relief on his face was palpable. You know, they get tired of this stuff. Um, all right, let's grab real quick, John, Dale Rood in the house. What's up, Dale, up in Montana? Big sky, mile high country, all right? Montana is absolutely a Denver Broncos, Broncos country uh, territory. He says, hey, guys, celebrating my 21st wedding anniversary. Wow, dude. Hats off. That's an accomplishment. Good job. So I'll catch the pod later. Have a great show. Thanks, John, Chad, Zach. Go Broncos. Yeah, congrats on that, Dale. Hope you do something real nice. And I mean, I guess the 20 year was probably where you really kind of, you know, uh, pulled out all the stops for the for the misses on your anniversary. But still, 21 years. That's an accomplishment, my dog. He'll catch the podcast later, wink, wink. Appreciate you, Dale. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right, John, real quick. Um, so the stream just did a jump. I know we'll grab Ren. I just want to tell you where I am. So, oh, okay. We're, looks like actually we're on the same we're on the same page. I'm at six twelve. Ren. All right, cool. Ren ninety nine. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you for the super chat. This is a superstar that's been with us a long time. Great to have you in the chat tonight. He says, I've been saying it since day one, and I'm sticking by it. Locke is our guy and our future. Yeah, I don't blame you for feeling that way. You know, there's, there's, it's not like it's going to be completely all downhill if he turns a corner. He's a young quarterback that's still going to find his way. But Locke gives you a chance, man, to be more than just a ball control offense. And that's really what Teddy is, you know, as encouraging and confidence inspiring as it is to see a quarterback out there, Zach, who can keep the, the the floor relatively high, be consistent, be steady. Teddy just doesn't move the needle. Now, if you have everything else around him perfect, the, the defense ends up being a top five defense, not just in potential and on paper, but in the stats and the whole nine. You know, the running game ends up cranking out, you know, something close to 2200 yards as a as a you know aspect of the offense you can win some double digit games with teddy i mean look back at how minnesota made the playoffs in his pro bowl year in 2015 but you need all those things to come together and that's not to say that drew doesn't need similar support from his supporting cast but when a player has the tools and he has the upside athletically it just gives you more room to grow and produce as a unit you know, you've mentioned that, you know, Teddy Bridgewater needs a perfect situation, but then I'm always wondering, Chad, what quarterback wouldn't thrive in a perfect situation? The Broncos won eight games with Trevor Simeon. 
around. You know, I mean, so if you put a, a quarterback with a great defense and a great running game and you protect him and call decent plays, you're going to have success. I'll agree that he is the guy or he should be the guy going into the season, but I'll disagree that Locke is the future. And that's coming from a Locke supporter because we do not know yet because OTAs and minicamp practices don't determine that fact. What will determine that is how he plays in the preseason and if he gets the job going into the regular season. He very well could be the future, but to anoint him that right now, I think is a step too far. Um, I want to, while we're on the topic of Teddy here in just a few minutes, um, I want to play a clip of what he had to say about his impression of the Broncos' young receiving core yesterday when he took to the virtual podium, which just to me came off. There's a few things I picked up on, but it was very impressive. And as a leader, this guy, you know, he is the type of guy that amongst his brothers, they'll run through a freaking wall for him. You know, he's that type of guy. You just wish that he had a little bit more oomph in terms of production on the field. That's my one thing with Teddy. And who knows? NFL, man, Stranger Things, Zebulon, thank you. Good to see you. Omega, Kevin Lind, Randy in the house, some some true Facebook superstar senders with us, super supporters. Good to see you both. Thank you. Um, I want to get to that here in just a second. Um, Also want to shout out Albert, another great superstar and super supporter. He says, do you think we will hear about a locks cross like when Elway was throwing? Teddy says he throws rockets. Yeah, in fact – to quote Teddy, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this this quote. It was a sit-down with um, Mike Kliss after practice on Tuesday, so yesterday. And he talked about, did Teddy, Drew Locke, and what he admires about him. He said, uh, quote, my game, they're comparing, you know, Kliss was talking about how they're kind of got a you know, different skill set. And he said, quote, my game is totally different from Drew's game. Drew's arm is off the charts. Some of the throws he's able to make, you sit back and you admire it. My game is trying to anticipate, try to play fast. I'm not the guy who's going to throw the ball 80 yards downfield. So if I can be on time with my feet and anticipate the throws, then I'm playing at my best, close quote. I mean, what better source than from the horse's mouth to perfectly illustrate the difference in terms of physical wherewithal between these two cues? And you know what? I really appreciate him knowing his own limitations and acknowledging them and admitting them publicly. So that's uh, I think that's big on him. But that's we all knew that going in going into this. It was not a surprise. Drew Locke has elite level arm strength. I, I don't think that's a hot take to say. I don't think that's biased to say. I mean, he really has a strong arm. Teddy Bridgewater was never known for arm strength. He was known for accuracy, throwing receivers open, touch passes, and we've seen that come out so far. He throws a very catchable ball, but Locke can fit that ball in there in places that Teddy Bridgewater can only dream of. That's the difference. I'm um- I'm pulling up here real quick. I'm just bear with me one second. I want to find this quote from from Teddy. Okay, I think this is it. One sec, bear with me. Um, I'll find it on the I'll find it on the other side of this next uh, super chat. Um, well, Rob says Locke is not a leader. And that's why, regardless of talent, he can't be the future. I don't know. Other than Colin Cowherd, someone pointed this out. We got a question on this topic a couple days ago, and I'm like, I don't know who's really questioning is Drew a leader. And then someone reminded me that Colin Cowherd basically did. Um, Other than that, who? I mean, I've not heard anything called into question, and I've not seen anything from Drew with my own eyes that 
runs counter to the notions act that he is or isn't or isn't a, uh, that he runs counter to the fact that he's a leader. Every NFL fan, every Broncos fan would discount everything Colin Coward says otherwise, but because he made a comment that's negative about Drew Locke, suddenly his his word is gospel there. But Rob, let me call you out real quick. Tell us specifically in the comments why you don't think Locke is a leader. Tell us specifically what he's shown besides rapping on the sideline or doing this like he's, you know, in Toy Story that doesn't make him a leader. You tell us, and we'll debate that point. All right, let me uh, let me see where we're at here. We got BG in the house, legendary Mount Rushmore superstar. Thank you for the super, bro. You the man. We're really excited because last night and today – Myself, Zach, John, we have been putting the finishing touches on what is going to be our membership offering on YouTube. Um, what our emoji badges, or not emoji badges, our, um, what do you call it, John? The, the uh, well, membership badges, for lack of a better term, and the different tiers and all that stuff, and what badges go with what tier and what people get at the different levels. It's going to be really cool, and we're excited because it's going to allow us to put into a, into actual act uh, action the different ideas we've had for new shows and different access with our community that they can spend more time with us and um different i don't know just cool content that right now we've kind of been limited on what we've been able to do with the way we are set up on youtube i mean we do great on youtube and all credit to you guys love you each and every one of you that subscribe we appreciate you but it's going to go to a whole other level very very soon zach and it's going to be a gas yeah, we cannot wait to debut what we have in store, and I think every one of our subscribers and our supporters is going to like what we're bringing to the table. Uh, it's all for you guys. It's giving back to you for what you've done for us. So thank you, Brian. Thank you, everyone else. Man, I'm really just trying to find this freaking – he talks so quiet. I don't know. I'll, I'll come back to it. If I have to, I'll just read it. Uh, Rob says he was the starting quarterback for a year. If you can't point to anything to say he is a leader, he isn't a leader. Throughout the course of the season, he – did the offense get better at any that, point? Yeah, it did get better. That's not an answer either. Rob, again, tell us what makes him not a leader. Don't flip it back on us and start gaslighting. Tell us what makes him not a leader in your opinion. Tyler's right. That's not an answer. That's a cop-out. Tell us specifically what makes Locke not a leader. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you things that I've seen from him that that do speak to leadership. All right. Then we'll grab that super chat. Um, you know, his teammates light up when he's around him. You know, his enthusiasm, the swagger that he has, it attracts his teammates, gives him confidence, gives him hope, gives him a boost, gives him energy. Now, if I want to critique Drew on things I'd like to see better, like I love the swagger and like I'm, I'm totally cool with the dancing and the buzz light year when something goes right. But I would like to see Drew more obviously be vocal on the field if something maybe isn't going right. But you know what? For young guys, including quarterbacks – who are still sowing their oats and finding their way in the league, uh, they don't always feel like they have the right to assert any kind of command or leadership because they're so young and they're not – I mean, these are grown men. It's like George Payton talked about when um, – it was right around draft time, just talking about the difference between, you know, and, and really what college guys – going from college to the pros, you know, how the mindset shifts and all that stuff. What he talked about is, look, in the league, you got guys making a lot of money. Grown men, right? A lot of many of whom have been in the league a long time. This is how they feed their families. This is how they're going to provide for their children, their children's children. Utmost seriousness. Like this is not 
frat boys in college having a good time and getting a free ride because they're good at a sport. This is like, this is business. And so for young players, whether it's a quarterback or any other position that might be inclined to assert a leadership role, Zach, sometimes it takes, you got to kind of produce a consistent result in order to feel like, all right, I've got the, I've got the right really to assert everything that I would normally assert as a leader. And for Drew, I think he got off to a good start on that front as a rookie and things were going okay, even when he came back from his shoulder. But then when he went into that little mini slump, you know, from the end of the Patriots game up until that, that Dolphins game, when he finally bounced back, I would guess it probably affected maybe his confidence in being able to assert that to a degree. How much? I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. Drew's never been on my couch telling me his problems. All right. But that would be my guess. You know, unlike Rob, I'm going to give three specific examples as to why I believe Locke is a leader. You mentioned his rookie season, Chad. When he entered the game, replacing Brandon Allen, the entire Broncos offense was a different kind of energized. We commented on it at the time. We've talked about it since. The entire team just responded to his energy. Uh, number two, the Broncos got better toward the end of last season with Locke under center. They, they last half of the season looked a lot better than the first half. And if Locke wasn't a leader, he wouldn't help them reach that point. He wouldn't grow with them. Also, number three, we haven't heard one iota of a bad word from a teammate about Drew Locke this offseason. Not publicly, not privately, not anonymously, not on record, nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. The closest we came was uh, Kareem Jackson advocating for Deshaun Watson, and even that wasn't a slight against uh, Drew Locke himself. So we haven't heard anything uh, that would point to Locke's leadership called into question. You can talk about his accuracy issues. You can talk about his... uh, his, his footwork, his technique, but him being a leader on this team, him loving the game and being a good Denver Bronco is without question. You want to know what not a leader looks like? Joe Flacco, who wouldn't even mentor Drew Locke at all, who literally turned his back on him on the sideline. That's not a leader. He showed up, got paid, and dipped out. Locke is not doing that. So don't compare the two or infer that for whatever reason that you won't even tell us. You won't even give us one concrete example as to why you don't believe that. So your argument doesn't hold any water. No. All right, we got Vincent with a very, very generous Super Chat. Thank you, Vincent. And if you're on Twitter, my friend, and this goes up to all of you, but especially our Super Chat superstars and our Facebook supporters, connect with us on Twitter because we like to, A, keep the conversation going outside of these pods there, and also stay in touch with you, tag you after each and every show, show you some love. So, Vincent, connect with us there, my friend. He says, guys, so special teams, why did they stink? Is it the coaching or the talent? Yes. <laughs> if it's the coaching, why stick with this guy? As Zach said, it is a yes answer. It's it's both. We talked a little bit about this Monday, but the Cliff Notes version is when you lack depth across the roster and the Broncos were brutalized last year by the injury bug, I mean, what depth they did have, which was modest, was decimated as a result. It's going to come out in the wash on the special team side because the depth, that's who's chasing down punts. That's who's chasing down kicks. That's who's blocking. That's it's all your backups, basically. And then you combine that with some very questionable at times uh, coaching decisions but on the part of the coordinator, and you've got just a wicked brew. You know, I, I get the excuse, I guess, for McMahon last year, but he's been with the Broncos organization for several years now, and they look no better on special teams than they did under Brock Olivo. That was the whole point. It's like replacing Scangarello with Pat Shermer. One was supposed to be a giant upgrade, and it never happened. So I don't know why Tom McMahon is still employed. I don't know what pictures or compromising information he has on the Broncos front office, Elway, George Payton, whoever. Uh, but 
they, they're high on him for some reason. And I hope, you know, they're talking up this Max Duffy now, the punter, compared with uh, Sam Martin. Hopefully he's making the right call. They have Deontay Spencer returning punts uh, and not K.J. Hamler. Hopefully he's making the right call. It's not purely talent, though. It's not purely personnel. You have to look at the big picture sometimes, and when the common denominator every year is the same coach, then the finger has to come back and pointing around. Uh, Jeremy wants to know, he doesn't understand why people go after us. Dude, Jeremy, it's nothing to lose sleep over, bro. I mean, when you are when you got the lights on you and you have a platform and you assert a take of any sort, there's going to be that vocal minority who are going to you know come after you, whether it's in good faith or – in bad faith and troll and all that guy. I mean, that's something we signed up for. It's all good. It's nothing to worry about. It's we're big boys. Uh, Michaela in the hizzy. What's going on? Good to see you. Um, thank you for that. Very generous super chat. The Duchess of MHH showing up. She says, I put no value on who plays better in OTAs and minicamp. I like Locke, but this is the time to try new plays, etc. Also, this is the, uh, for the defense to work on things. Hard to come up with a real decision. And, again, the whole thing about training camp is it's always going to favor the more experienced guy who's kind of understands the situation a little bit better and is going to play it safe, play within the scheme, take what the defense gives. That guy's always going to, to, to appear to be more consistent. But as we kind of – this is me reading between the lines a little bit on Pat Shermer today. We'll go through a few more of his quotes before we get out of here. But that's not always what – you know, makes the coaches happy. Like they want to see their quarterback take some chances in a good way. You know, they don't want to see him throwing pick sixes like the pick to Simmons today from Locke would have been in a real game. They don't want to see that, but they do want to see a quarterback who's willing to take chances when opportunity knocks. It's about finding that happy medium. It's about becoming a game manager as much as a gunslinger. Uh, but the you know, the other side to the coin that no one wants to seem to talk about is the defense is looking really good and Simmons has two pick sixes now. Shouldn't he be making these kinds of these kinds of plays considering what he's you know earning on his contract now? So this is where the Broncos defense should be and this is where the Broncos quarterback should be. They're splitting reps. It's hard to get continuity down when you're managing uh, the one reps, the two reps, but the defense as a whole. The, the no-fly zone 2.0, whatever you want to call them, they're flying around. So we have to be encouraged by that as well. And let me tell you the flip side to this. If the Broncos had a, a semi-established quarterback and the defense wasn't making plays and Simmons wasn't getting interceptions, Broncos fans would want to complain about that too. Why isn't Simmons doing anything? So there's always glass half full, glass half empty. I like the fact that Simmons is out there ball hawking. And I like the fact the Broncos offense, like Michaela said, is experimenting right now. This is the time to do so on June 16th and not October 16th. We got a super chat here from Invictus Films. Thank you for that super chat. A newer name we don't recognize. So welcome. Welcome to the manger. Appreciate you. He says, hola, Chad and Zach. I have frequented the YouTube late at night, uh, but this is my first time live in the chat. Your insights and commentary are top notch, lads. Hey, welcome. Thank you. Stick around. Um, maybe you've got a schedule that doesn't allow you to, you know, to be in the live chats every single night. But it's not hard to guess and figure out when we're live. Mile High Huddle has a live stream pod going every single day, seven days a week, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Mountain. Zach and I, we go Sunday nights, Monday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights. And then we have three other great shows, four actually, if you count the Broncos for Breakfast that's doing the drive time Tuesday and Thursdays. And if you guys really start 
you know, showing up. And I mean, it's been great. The Broncos for breakfast has done really well for themselves, but as people continue to enjoy that content, participate, listen, watch, they are open to doing it every single day for your drive time on, on weekdays. So keep that in mind, but appreciate you Invictus. And it sounds like he might be an international uh, viewer by the lads. So if you are, we appreciate you hanging in there with uh, maybe a time difference, but hopefully you stick around. If you have a question, feel free to drop it in Invictus and uh, we'll get to you. I want to grab this one real quick from Savage Boy Kev over on Twitch, and then I'm going to, I've am gonna i got Teddy queued up. I did figure it out. Appreciate you uh, being with us on Twitch, my friend. He says, is it possible the Broncos could use Locke and Bridgewater together on the field uh, in some situations, Zach? No, I mean, in order to do that, you have to have a like a dual threat, I guess, Taysom Hill-type quarterback, Tim Tebow-type, and that doesn't even work in the NFL. I hate the two-quarterback, you know, taking the starter off the field for these trick plays. Just keep the ones on the field. You have one quarterback. Don't keep rotating. So, no, whoever's starting is going to be the starter because what do you do with the backup? The, Drew Locke has no rushing value like Lamar Jackson. Neither does Teddy Bridgewater. They're both purely, for the most part, pocket passers. All right, you might have to – perk up a little bit because Teddy's very soft-spoken and this is Zoom, so the sound quality is not as good as it would be if he was at a true podium uh, in real life. But I just want to get this. I gushed on this a little bit, Zach, yesterday on Twitter, but I just love what he had to say when he was asked about his initial impressions so far of this young receiving core. Here's what Teddy said. They're better dancers for one, (laughs) with Jerry leading the way. But no, um, no, every group, man, is unique, and, and they all, you know, they all have unique relationships with each other, and they all have unique relationships with their quarterbacks and the rest of the team. And this group, man, it's a bunch of young guys who, you know, have made some plays in this league, who had some success in this league, and then there's some guys who are eager to make a name for themselves in this league. But the one thing that I notice about those guys is every day they come to work and they're hungry. And when you have that type of mindset, man, special things in the store for you. You know, guys come here, you know, if you look at the OTAs, you know, it wasn't mandatory. Guys were here for participation. And you watch guys just compete with each other and, and push each other. You know, I'm pretty sure once Sundays in the fall come around, you know, those guys are making a lot of plays for us. And, you know, it started this offseason. I just love it, dude. Teddy pay, is paying attention. And that's what I love about him. And his teammates – you know, when he says something as simple as, I notice this about them, you know, that means he's really, you know, he's got his antennas up and he's soaking in his surroundings. And not only is he paying close attention to what his weaponry is, right, his arsenal that is going to be at his disposal, if he wins, whether he wins the job or not, but then he's making some bold predictions about how this, by, I got a feeling, man, by the time we get to the season, these guys are going to be popping off. That is just a little small clip that illustrates quite well why Teddy is so magnetic anytime he walks in a locker room, whether it's New Orleans or Carolina, Minnesota, now Denver, the Jets. Players gravitate to Teddy because he is a builder of people. He builds people up, right? And and that's one of the marks of a true great leader is he can get people to follow him by really building up their confidence, building up their beliefs in themselves, and – I think it's really encouraging, and that's why, guys. Again, look, if Teddy ends up winning the co- the, the this competition, we're not going to be uh, crying in our in our beers over here. I mean, it's it is what it is. If that's how it shakes out, I think the Broncos, Zach, will be in good hands with Teddy 
but fans will just need to kind of keep their expectations a little bit in check in terms of, you know, what kind of offense you're going to see out there. And you're going to, you would really have to hope and pray that this rushing offense, which very well could comes alive. Yeah, they'll be in good gloves, as it were. But, you know, watching that clip, he's very easy to root for, and I'll give him that. He's, he's a very good person, it seems like, and he's so good for the locker room, not just for Locke and the quarterbacks, but for the entire team. Having someone like that going to war with you every day is, is invaluable in terms of a morale standpoint. So it's a win-win. And if he doesn't get the starting job, he can help Locke become a better quarterback and just be a positive influence, unlike Joe Flacco was uh, for him as a rookie. And if he gets the starting job, I believe, like you do, Chad, He's good enough where the Broncos can be competitive and still vie for a playoff spot. I like Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not against him. I just don't think he's going to, I guess, supplant Locke, or he's definitely not the future of the franchise, but having him on the roster, having him as a backup right now and as a mentor and a teacher, and like you said, a people builder, I mean, how could you hate on that? You can't. Indeed. And I think it was Shermer today also, um, there's a couple other quotes of his I want to try and get to if we have time, but uh, I think it was Shermer today that also talked about um, him being able to end up having a good relationship with Drew too, whether he's the starter or if he ends up Teddy being the backup. So he's just a guy that finds a way to connect with all of his teammates, and I really respect that about him. Naj, what's up, dude? Good to see you. Thank you for the support, my friend. Bonafide superstar. He says, hey, brothers, if the quarterback competition is close – do you think it could lead to any division in the locker room for players who support one over the other? I really don't, honestly, because I think at this stage, the players, much like the fans, they just want to get to the next era of Broncos football that includes more wins in the standings than losses, if that's the way it shakes out. But if it's close, Drew's going to get the job. Right. Um, I think. That might run a little bit counter to what I said earlier about you know Drew – you know, he really needs to separate in a big, bad way. But I don't know. I think if if you're the Broncos, like we've been saying on this podcast for a while, it's in the Broncos' best interest for Drew to be the, the quarterback who ultimately succeeds because it was Drew Locke that the Broncos traded up and drafted. It was Drew Locke that they used a second-round premium draft pick in. And it's Drew Locke who they've invested countless resources, coaching, time, suffering, the whole nine yards. So if it can be Drew, that's the best case scenario. If worse comes to, you know, if push comes to shove, Zach, and it is negligible, the difference between them in terms of the competition results. I don't know. Maybe that does favor Teddy, but there's some, I think, I think they go with Drew Locke. I think the tie goes to Drew Locke because the Broncos, for the most part, know what they have in Teddy Bridgewater. They do not know still what they have in Drew Locke. So if he's anywhere, if he's just this much above Teddy B in the quarterback competition, they have to roll with Locke. And to answer the question, judging on Bridgewater's comments, it seems like whatever quarterback gets the job, the other one will rally around him for the for the, the benefit of the team, for the good of the team. And I don't see Teddy Bridgewater after those comments, starting uh, a cancerous you know, uh, campaign in the locker room because Locke won the job, nor do I see that with Drew Locke. So it's a good situation when you have these two selfless quarterbacks that just want the Broncos to be better. We're not going to have any cracks in the locker room, nothing offense versus defense like it was in 2017. We don't have to worry about that this season. All right, let me see where we're at. We're at 47 minutes. Shane Dog says, Teddy has also faced as much adversity as anyone. True. Adversity can bring humility on the other side, most definitely. You know, Teddy overcame a lot just to get to the league. And then, of course, you know, his injury, bouncing back from that, Zach. I mean, 
I remember covering the, the league at the time. I mean, it felt like Teddy's career was done. And maybe it did sap him of his momentum, and maybe it did sap him of, you know, having his full juice, you know, the, the player that he was before that knee injury. But he has bounced back, and he has overcome that adversity. You tip your cap to a guy like that. I mean, there's a lot of guys similar like Alex Smith, you know. There's a lot of guys who in their situations, they just say, you know what, I'm going to get healthy. I've made enough money to be okay. I'm good. I'm out. That's that's not Teddy Bridgewater. You know, Teddy's comments impressed you and impressed me, and he's only able to make those comments because he went through that adversity, because he learned from that. And it applies not just to football. It applies to life. I mean, your best lessons that you learn are through hardships. And Teddy Bridgewater has learned through, you know, being replaced and being discarded and the injury. He's learned that the NFL is doggy dog, and it's it's filled with uh, adversity. It's filled with drama and problems that you have to overcome if you want to have a career. And, again, having that kind of uh, experience – quarterback veteran in the locker room, even if it doesn't start, that's a great boon for the entire team. You would love to have, uh, you know, 22 of those players on the field at all times. Shout out to Matt Henry who wants to know, is Javante going to beat out Melvin for running back one through the season? And then real quick, Zach, before you answer, shout out to Tyler uh, shouting us out. Good to see you, Tyler. But your answer about, is it going to be Javante? First of all, I, Drew Locke did say that yesterday. He said, where's Clisson? I love that little touch by Drew. Just that little bit of, you know, the D-bag, A-hole mentality. Love seeing that from him. But, yeah, it's a matter of time. I mean, so far, Javante Williams has been as advertised. It's hard to judge him without, you know, uh, goal line drills and training camp drills and the full total package. But Melvin Gordon didn't show up. And the Broncos traded up in the second round to get a running back. So he is the future. And I've been saying this for quite a while now. If not by week one, which is a possibility, you will see Javante Williams atop the depth chart by midseason. He is the future. And it's a matter of when, not if, he is RB1. I do agree with that. Everyone I talked to today um, said Melvin Gordon looked good. And catching passes out of the backfield, smooth as butter. So He should. I don't think he's going to go quietly into that good night. He is going to, he's going to be a factor here. I don't think he's going to be a guy that you know, like one a question we answered a, a day or two ago. You know, is he a guy that's going to get traded or whatever? I don't think no. Melvin will be a factor, but Javante, at some point this season, I think you will see him um, be the RB one. Orange Crush here. I don't disagree with this premise. He says Locke needs to take command of the huddle better, and the players have mentioned that compared to Teddy. I haven't. I don't know about the players mentioned that. I've never heard that. I don't know where you got that. But I will acknowledge that I that's one of the things I'd like to see better from Drew is like just taking command on the field, you know, seeing him be a little bit more jolly, for lack of a better term. But that doesn't imp- but the absence of that doesn't mean in its fullness doesn't mean Drew's not a leader. Or right. that he can't be right. a leader. So more than one thing can be true at the same time, right? That's a very important distinction to be made that, you know, he has to get better in that department, but because he's not great in that department doesn't mean he's, he's, you know, throw it all away. He's a bust, but that will only come out. I believe when the season starts, or at least the preseason starts, you want to see commands of the huddle in real live situations. It's tough to do it in skeleton drills or seven on sevens, give him some time and let the preseason get here. And hopefully we'll see more of a dominant alpha personality in the huddle from Drew Locke. All right. We got time for a few more. And then we'll dip on out for this evening. Daniel, a newer name. So welcome. welcome Thank Daniel. you, Daniel. Appreciate you. Connect on Twitter. Hey there, Chad and Zach. Thanks, as always, for your insight. My question is, 
what amount of wins are needed for Locke to be the true quarterback of the future? So let me just reformulate this, Zach. How many, if, if Drew wins the job this year, how many wins would he need to produce in order for the quarterback position to not even be a question entering next year's free agency and draft? I would say a minimum of nine because that's the minimum it would probably take to get a wild card in a 17-game season in the AFC. And uh, if he has a 500 season or like a 7-10 and 10 season, it's not going to be enough to cement the Broncos and, and assure them and assuage them that he's the guy. But if he goes from being written off and being discarded and battling Teddy Bridgewater to leading the Broncos back to the playoffs for the first time since Peyton Manning, I think that would buy him at least a year as the Broncos starting quarterback. Anything less than that, though, going into 2022, they will look to address it through the draft, through free agency. He has to have a playoff berth. So nine, 10 wins, I think, minimum. You know, and the thing is, too, when it comes down to decision time, kind of like you, you went about saying this just in a different way, Zach, but this coaching staff knows what they have in Teddy, and in that same sense, they can always go to Teddy. They can always turn to Teddy at any point and get that steady Teddy quarterback play under center. Um, so I think that favors Locke a little bit. I do think it's still his job to lose, but he can't go – you know, three days in the losing column at camp practices, one tent pole day, you know, three losses again to Teddy, then one tent pole. Like he's got to be much closer to the 50 50 who won, who lost this day type situation. But the Broncos, they know they can always turn back to, to Teddy. And then here's Dale. Thank you, Dale. Good to see you, buddy. Bonafide has Dale has become a superstar of late. Hey, Priest, I turned 61 today. Yo, happy birthday, Dale. HBD to Dale Hendricks. Been a diehard Broncos fan over 50-plus years. Uh, DL or TB, first time in a long time. I've been comfortable with the number two quarterback, Drew Locker, Teddy Bridgewater. It's cool. Happy birthday, bro. Yep. Hope it's a great one, Dale. Thank you for tuning in with us tonight and all your continued support. 61 years, and that's cool. Um, here's one from one of our great super supporters on Facebook, Travis Tarbox. He says, I believe you guys keep defending your opinions. You don't have to at all. <clears throat> keep doing what you're doing, my football priest. Let them hate. Denver Broncos for life. I believe most here are Broncos fans. If they can't support the team, choose another team. Just my opinion. I feel you on that, you know, as far as the, you know, Broncos fans, let's all get in the same boat and rally toward the same, you know, goal. But um, don't mistake, when we get up here on the mic and, and defend our takes per se, that's not us coming on here and feeling like from a position of insecurity that we need to somehow stand up for us. These are the topics of the day. And so sure. we, we tackle the topics of the day and oftentimes, you know, and it's going to be this way. So long as the competition is in question, uh, it's going to be this way. Zach. And it's not superiority either. We're not coming on no. here and saying, Oh, we're, we know all and you all are wrong. And this is how you should be. And this is how you should think. I hate, you know, being told that and, and, and being, you know, indoctrinated like that through the media where, they feed you information and you have to, you know, buy into that. No, we're going to continue spouting off what we believe and back it up with basis, logic, and facts and let you guys make your own decisions. And John, I want to grab Geiger Gaming and then a comment from Free Earth Citizen on YouTube, which I think is very well said. Geiger Gaming, thank you from down under for that super chat. Really appreciate you. You've come on strong the last week or two. Keep it up, my friend. Working your way towards superstar status. We appreciate you. Says, hey guys, and good morning to you both. That tells you where he's at, right? 
has there been any word on the Lloyd Cushenberry versus Quinn Miners battle? And do you think uh, Miners could start at center? Let him hate. Um, listen, what I've heard is it's still Cush's job to lose. That's what I've heard. And that he's not done anything up to this point that has eroded his position as it's my job to lose. But guys, right now, coaches are more focused on offensive line on, hey, are you holding your assignment, stuff like that. You can't evaluate offensive linemen in shorts and a helmet. They need to pop. They need to hit. They need to be in pads. And even though training camp nowadays is a very watered-down version of what it used to be, they do pop. You know, they don't hit, hit, but they do pop. And so coaches need to see that engagement, that physicality, that contact point to really get a true beat on an offensive lineman. But uh, I think this year, Zach, it's still – I think you're going to see them open the season with Cushenberry as the starting center. And Miners, alongside Natani Muti, is going to give this team one heck of a um, swing duo inside. Yeah, I was looking through the quotes. I was trying to find it because I believe it was Vic Fangio who said the same exact thing you did. And it's true. You can't judge or analyze or come to a conclusion about offensive linemen in June. You really can't. You need the full practice intensity, the full simulation, and the full, hopefully, gauntlet in preseason, real-life game action going up against another team to make that call. The only thing I'll say is this. I think Cushenberry has the incumbent, you know, he's it's locked down, it's his for now, but I would hope this is decided soon because, as we always talk about, the center is the quarterback of the offensive line. And the quarterback situation being what it is, I want a guy who knows what he's doing and he's the best man for the job, whether that's Cushenberry or Miners. Good battle, though, to come this summer. Dang it, John. The stream just jumped me, and I lost the comment. Free Earth, the comment you made about leadership. Throw it in the chat again if you can. I can't reach it. The stream jumped it, and I can't go back up and grab it. John, if you see it, it's his topic. The topic, of course, leadership and all that stuff. If you see it, um, throw it back up. Very good stuff. Um, all right, Michael, good to see you. Been rocking our gear like a boss. Love your Facebook and your Twitter and your YouTube profile pics. Fashion choices, branding, on point, my dog. Kudos. He says, Drew Locke is my QB, and he's putting in the work this offseason to get better to be the best QB he can be for the Denver Broncos. Hashtag let him hate. Yeah, good for you, buddy. I feel you. I think you have every right to be optimistic in Drew. And if you're a fan that's optimistic in Teddy, you have every right to be optimistic in Teddy. They both bring unique traits to the table that are very uh, admirable and enticing and attractive. It's going to be fun to see how it shakes out. I mean, we could be optimistic about the Broncos, not Teddy or not Drew, just about the 2021 Broncos outfit, because regardless of who's under center, this team is very talented. And we think Chad really strongly, they're going to make some noise this fall. All right, real quick. We got a rapid fire through these remaining superstars who've been very, very patient. Um, we need um, Fernando, Mac, 85, Eric, Kane, Fernando. And then if you see Free Earth, I want to, I, I want, I really wanted to get that. That's right. Here. We got, it. oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. Here we go. A leader is a guy that will go the extra inch for you, a guy who will sacrifice himself for the team because he knows when it comes <laughs> down to it, you're going to do the same for him. And that's from the movie Any Given Sunday. I best think it's what he's saying. Movie. It is the best football. I think it's the best football movie. But I'm an Oliver Stone guy, so anything that guy puts out, for the most part, I'm I'm all over it. But uh, still, it's a very good snapshot into the mindset, and that's why like true leaders 
you know, even guys who are veteran QBs that get deposed and are supplanted like Jake Plummer. All right. Go back to 06 when the Broncos made the extremely unwise decision to pull him when they were not only leading in the AFC West, but cruising toward the playoffs, brought in Jay Cutler. And anyone who's read Nate Jackson's book, Slow Getting Up, and I'm going to make that probably book number two in the Broncos Book Club podcast that I'm going to be doing for our YouTube and Facebook supporter members here very soon. But there's a section in the book, a chapter uh, called Plumber's Crack, all right, very appropriately titled, that gives you the insight as a former tight end that played with Jake during that era of what happened when that, you know, did Jake Plummer disengage completely from the team and all that stuff when he got, that wasn't how Jake, you know, he was a true leader and he was there for his boys, even though it pained him to see Jay Cutler take his job, he was still there for his boys, you know, so a rally in them being as, as much of a help meet as he possibly could. And that's the mark of a true leader. Yeah. Steeman Drew Locke or Steeman Teddy Bridgewater. What sounds better? What rolls off the tongue? Indeed. Um, all right, John, do we have, let me see here. Uh, okay, cool. We got Kane Dawson, the living descendant of William H. Bonney, AKA Billy, the kid. I'm not talking about Emilio Estevez. All right. I'm talking about the real deal. Appreciate you, Kane. I see Denver breaking through like the Dolphins did last year with a young roster and hitting the playoffs, uh, the playoff bar, of course, barring injuries. Hashtag state of being. Zach, your thoughts? Well, I think, uh, Chad, you know where I'm going with this. I've become, you know, uh, predictable by now. But why did the Dolphins break through last year? It wasn't just a strong defense. Well, I mean, it was, but why did they have a strong defense? Why, you know, why were they so good? Coaching. Brian Flores did a hell of a job last year in Miami, and they got some good quarterback play out of Tua, out of Fitzpatrick. Yeah, but they were, you know, they were shaky as well. But they had solid coaching throughout, and that's the wild card for Denver this year that no one is talking about. Not the quarterbacks or the talent on the field, but the coaching. Vic Fangio is on as much notice as Drew Locke is. He really has to step it up because he left a lot, a lot to be desired last year. Well said. All right, Fernando, what's up, brother? Good to see you. Fernando is another guy who is steadily been working his way towards superstar status the last few weeks. Appreciate you. He says, this roster is built beautifully. Peyton had a great offseason. Locke has superstar potential. Cannot wait for him to reach it. Hashtag state of being. Fernando, where are you at in the world, my friend? I'm curious because Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. It's wherever you are, and I'm wondering – exactly where that might be, Fernando. And then here's his question, though, Zach. Thank you for the second super chat, Fernando. Who is the X factor on both sides of the ball? Here, I'll take one. I'll take defense. You take offense because we're out of time. X factor on offense. I mean, throwaway quarterback, that's too obvious. Um, I'm going to say Javante Williams. And I, it might be a little bit of a cop-out, but he is actually favored to lead all rookie running backs in touchdowns this year. And I think he's going to be a vulture on the goal line. So even if Melvin Gordon and his salary ends up starting this year, I do think the X factor is the running back that might not be the starter, but the guy is the future and the reason they drafted up to get him. So uh, that's my – I mean – any other choice is, uh, is uh, pretty obvious. You go with Judy or Sutton or Hamler or Noah Fan. I'm going with Javante for my X Factor this year. I'm sorry that it seems obvious, but I'm telling you it's Von Miller. This defense doesn't reach its potential if Von Miller doesn't turn in a Von Miller-type season. So Von Miller bounces back to form the way we're all hoping he will. This is a team that is going to be freaking dangerous on defense because – 
as Vaughn goes, so goes Chubb. As Vaughn goes, so goes the interceptions and the forced throws under pressure and stuff like that. I wish I could say that Chubb would have to be that guy. I don't think he's ready to fully take that mantle yet. One more year in the incubator, one more year learning at the feet of a Von Miller and a John Pagano. I think Von Miller is the X factor. And if he does stay healthy and return to form, sky's the limit for this defense. I could see Ronald Darby being the X factor as well. No one's talking about him, but they gave him a $10 million a year contract. They drafted Sertan. They signed Kyle Fuller. They have Callahan. I mean, uh, if they get the 2020 version of Ronald Darby, this secondary could be historically good. That's how good. Mac 85 city, another newer name on super chat. Many newer first timers on tonight's stream. It's great to see. Welcome Mac. Appreciate you. I listen every day, but this is my first time showing some love. This show and Broncos for Breakfast, my favorite. We need Chad and Nick for one show. Yeah, sometimes I'll hop in like if, you know, um, Luke can't do Mile High Insiders or Carl's tied up for building the Broncos or something. I'll hop in with Nick. Well, I've podcasted with Nick many, many times. But, but yeah, absolutely. One of these days. One of these days, my friend. Thank you, Mac. Uh, here's Sebastian. Another newer name, Zach. I love seeing Welcome. it. Great. Shows how much MHH is growing. Appreciate you, Sebastian. You guys are the best. My question, with all these teams spending outrageous amounts of money on players, why can't we work stuff out? I'm not sure exactly what he means by that, Zach. I need your syntax interpretation. With all these teams spending outrageous amounts of money on players, why can't we work stuff out? I don't know, Sebastian, what you specifically mean in terms of maybe resigning their own players or uh, better managing the salary cap, but one of George Payton's hallmark um, traits about his rookie year as GM was locking down his own talent, bringing back Simmons, bringing back Shelby Harris, bringing back Von Miller and Kareem Jackson. And also, I think they're number two in the NFL in cap space right now. So financially speaking, there is nothing to complain about in terms of the Broncos. I think they've handled everything really, really well this season, offseason. Last super chat, guys, then we got to go. And it's from Eric O, who has become a bona fide superstar. Love you, Eric. He says, fellas, in Denver, it's like watching CNN versus Fox, all agenda radio on luck. I can't wait to see him shoot down some fools and all their agendas this year. This is why I tune into the huddle. Yeah, it's, it really has started to feel that way. I know what you mean. You know, very agenda driven and trying to assert, trying to, trying to, instead of just telling you what's happening, coming off as, you know, like trying to pick the winner, right? Trying to, you know, manifest who the winner is going to be through through the media itself. But uh, appreciate you, Eric. And that was the point I made earlier. Depending on, you know, let's say your political views, you're going to go to one source or the other and more aligns with your own feelings and your own narrative. And depending on how you feel about the Broncos quarterbacks, you're going to go to reporters and go to, uh, you know, personalities that either align with Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. But I would suggest using your own eyes, using your own brain and coming to your own judgments. Kane, one more. Super. Appreciate you, buddy. Yes. Are y'all doing a fantasy football this season? That's up to – I got you, Kane. That's up to my partner in crime yes. here. We do it every year. I organize it. We will have more information as the season gets closer, like pre, you know, preseason gets closer. It's way too early now. But, yes, we will be doing a fantasy football league. So anyone else out there interested, let us know, and we will get you down in advance uh, for the league this year. Guys, before we go ahead and officially dip on out, I just want to shout out all of our great listeners, viewers, supporters, star senders on Facebook. For some reason, the reporting on Facebook the last three, four days 
has um, omitted the stars. So like normally I could just hop in right now and it would show me every star sender in this video. And for some reason it's not showing that even though I know you guys are giving stars. So just know that one of these days, Facebook and StreamYard are going to get on the same page and we're going to be able to see these pop up in the same way we do super chats. But in the meantime, guys like Travis, guys like Gary Leeds Palmer, guys like Randy, you know, and if I didn't name you, but you know, guys like Dave Glassman, John knows who to look for in the chat and we might, you know, um, take a minute getting to you, but we really strive and, and try to pay attention to make sure we get to you each and every night, even if it is a little bit later in the show. Zachary jumping in last one here, guys. And then we, I really do have to go burn the guitarist. Everyone knows Zach. He was on the show a couple weeks ago. Phenomenal superstar. Great, great. As Zach says, he's, he's very, something about the name Zach. I don't know. Um, but Zach, appreciate you, bro. He says, Hey guys, how are we feeling about the third side of the ball? Is Tom McMahon going to get it right? Is it, or is it the definition of insanity? Zach, you've talked quite a bit. We've talked about the third phase a few times tonight, and I'll just say this. I haven't really mentioned anything. I do think the special teams are going to be better this year, and it's not because of Tom. It's because of the depth. This team has depth now. So if they can whistle past the graveyard and avoid that injury bug, I think you'll see better uh, special teams. And they have two returners, three really, if you count Tyree Cleveland, K.J. Hamler, and then we'll see what they ultimately opt to do with Deontay Spencer. And then the specialist, Sam Martin, you know, I – Fully expect him to be the punter this year. Brandon McManus, the long snapper, what's his name? Boban Moyer. I think this has, they're in a position to be much better if they can stay healthy depth wise. What is that saying though? It's like, here's the, here's the bar and they're going to be just this much better. So um, I, I don't know. I don't happen to think that McMahon is a competent coordinator. I hope for the Broncos sake, because I want to see the Broncos do well. The special teams is, is really good this year. They're fine with McManus. You mentioned Boban Moore, but Duffy, McManus talked about it today. They, they, he blew them away in, in his tryout, so he might unseat Sam Martin this summer. And I hope to God the Broncos finally find a long-term punter because it's become like quarterback for them. It's a constant circle. They can't get it right. All right, guys, we got to dip out, but we will be back tomorrow night for the Mile High Mailbag, so let not your hearts be troubled. And we'll do the best we can to get to as many questions, comments, all the different platforms we stream to, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. So we'll see you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. And Zach, sign us off, bro. Yes, sir. Have a great rest of your night, Chad and John and everyone else out there. Uh, feel free to follow us on Twitter if you haven't already at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow us also at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL, our wonderful producer, Buana Beast at John KMHH. If you can, guys, please go to Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Uh, join us. Join, I, I I thought that was a subscriber page. I had the big blue button. I in threw my you head. off. I know that was my. Yeah, plan. you take that one then, Chad. Well, I was just gonna say, guys, make <laughs> sure you like and follow our Facebook page because we've got some cool plans for that. But we need to grow the following more so that we can actually execute the plan. So even if you're not a big Facebook user per se, head on over, give us a like, give us a follow because it will benefit you in the long run. And then Zach, here's your banner. Yeah, I'm a creature of habit. I don't like getting thrown off. Facebook.com slash Mile I Huddle. Big blue button. Become a supporter. Trickle Zone on Saturdays. Uh, Kelberman's Corner on Sundays. We have other shows coming. Very excited about. We would appreciate your patronage there. Um, also, hit the store at huddleuppod.com and get a hat, get a shirt, uh, get a football pre-shirt. New content coming soon. New content that just 
came there on products. We appreciate everyone's patronage there as well. If you can't do that, we fully understand and we still love you, appreciate you and respect you, but subscribe, like, and share if you haven't already. It helps us out more than anything. We promise you that, but we're off for tonight. Back in the saddle tomorrow. Chat our favorite pot of the week, Mile High Mailbag tomorrow night, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. We'll see you there. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.